This is Life of an Architect, a podcast dedicated to all things architecture, with a little bit of life thrown in for balance. Leaving your mark on the place where you live is built into the DNA of most architects and designers. This can manifest itself in many different ways, but for a lot of us, working on the place where we live is the most obvious choice. Today, we're talking about renovating your house, the good, the bad, and hopefully not the ugly. Welcome to the Life of an Architect podcast. I'm Bob Borson. And I'm Andrew Hawkins. And today we're talking about the process surrounding a home renovation, something that Andrew and I are both currently going through, even though I think it's at different levels of engagement. Definitely. (laughs) You're way more intense than mine. Yeah. I mean, I've actually hired people to do mine and I think you're, you're a weekend war, warrior, war, I can't say it. Yep. That's the thing. I'm weekend warring it. So I'm doing stuff on the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Nights and weekends, you know, yeah, and yeah. I'll tell you, I got a lot of people. There's some things I've been sharing a lot of stuff to my Instagram stories, some kind of progress. And every now and then people will say, Oh, well, you get what you pay for, which is part of the reason why I said, you know, we ought to do an episode on this because that is a wildly uninformed statement. It's not like I'm new to this and I don't have an understanding of what I'm doing or what it costs or what it should cost. Yeah, it's a very generic statement. Yeah, especially when you don't know all the behind the scenes stuff. And so things like I have a handful of contractors that I could have reached out to. And I know that that's my A plus contractor guy and that's my A guy and that's my B guy and this is my C guy. And yeah. And you know what? And they all would have done it. Every single one of them would have helped me out. Yeah. But if I'd gone to my A plus guy, everything would have been easy. I would have had to just kind of like point and grunt. And he just, <laughs> he would just look at it and go, I yep. know what you're talking about. Yeah, I got it. You know what? But I would have done 10% of what I'm able to do if I went with a B guy. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's kind of the nature of it. So trying to find a balance. And the other thing is the quality of my house as it is today and as it will be when I'm finished doesn't warrant a plus contractor. There's so many other things that aren't right. Yeah, exactly. Like you you kind of got to work to the level of what you have. Yeah. Exceeding it doesn't do you any good when the house is still a B. Who yeah. cares if the paint job's an A++ because the house is still a B. Yeah, they walk up to it and they go, wow, your driveway is falling into a chasm. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that trim is flawlessly executed. It's on point. Uh, yeah. So we've been working at it at different levels. You know, we had something else scheduled for today's episode. And we thought, well, you know, let's punt that one back a little bit and talk about this because it's really occupying pretty much all my time right now. I mean, I have my job and I have the extracurricular obligations that I have, but every other second is dedicated to this renovation. And since we're working from home, it's going on on the other side of the door where I'm sitting right now all day long, every day. I walk to job site 500 times a day. <laughs> yeah. Every time I leave my chair, I'm on job site. And I talked to the contractor about that before we started. I go, you do understand that while he knows I'm not a jerk. And I said, but it's going to be hard for me to walk to the kitchen to grab something <laughs> and see something and go, that's not right. Yeah, And not point it out and be like, oh, hey, hey guys, slow down here. <laughs> yeah. And so It's incumbent upon me in those circumstances to say, it may not be right, but is it appropriate for what I'm paying? Yeah. So those are the things that I try to rationalize as I walk through. But the thing that I will admit that I'm struggling with is workflow is an issue and scheduling is an issue. And I'll tell you, for the most part, when it's done right, it takes a long time to do it. The first day they showed up here, they literally dropped like 20 guys in the house and they were all over each other and it was a huge problem. And we had to have a little meeting and say, you can't do that. I appreciate you want to go fast, but you've got guys sanding in the same room that other guys are trying to start painting. And I go, no, I'm not doing that. It needs to take longer. So you get the workflow right. There's an order of operations and it can't be smashed together too much. That's right. So instead of this episode simply being a matter of me and Andrew telling construction war stories and complaining, even though pretty sure there's going to be a little bit of that, (laughs) we obviously would like to have this episode be of some value. So in addition to those war stories, we're going to discuss things like budgets, setting priorities, handling conflicts with your contractor, and a handful of other items that you might expect to run across should you decide to renovate your own home. Yeah. We should start with how architects working on their own homes is the worst. (laughs) 100%. Yeah. I think we're the worst clients. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, in any aspect, whether it's like you in your situation where you're 
hiring someone to do things or when you're like me and you're doing some of that work yourself, you're still the worst. It's, it's no better. Yeah. You know, I started to tell the story earlier and I kind of punted out my own rabbit hole, but this is house number seven for me. And I'm in my early fifties. I log probably between 60 and 80 hours of obligation time a week. And I don't have it in me to come home and lay tile. I did yeah. that on previous houses. I'm at that point now to where I'd much rather wait and save up some money and pay somebody else to do it than, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. than do it myself. And yeah. you know, it's, it's not because I can't, it's because I don't want to. Yeah. It reminds me of when I first moved in this house when I was 28 or something and my neighbor was a retired man and our fence blew down in a hurricane. And I said, well, you know, I can take the time and I can put it back up and about halfway through it. And I was doing it over the weekends and stuff. And one day he came, I said, man, my wife is ready for the fence to be done. You know, when you get old, you just throw money at stuff. It's fine. We'll take care of it. We'll take it from here. Yeah. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> That's how you want to roll. Yeah. I think it's one of those things at a certain point, the time spent versus the money spent, you have to start weighing those things. But the stuff I'm doing right now is so ad hoc. It would take 50 different contractors, subs to come in and do this little bit here and this little bit there. And so that's why yeah. I'm trying to do some of it myself. If it's a much bigger overhaul and I've thought of doing that at times, I wouldn't try to do it myself. Yeah. And I think that's probably how a lot of designers probably look at it themselves. They kind of go, how big of a bite is this project that I'm tackling? Because I've done a fence before by myself. Yeah. And you know what? I killed it. It was awesome. But it was only about 30 feet long. <laughs> and I went, you know what? I can kill myself with a post hole shovel for 30 feet. If I had to do 200 feet, sorry. It's yeah. not going to happen. Well, mostly because I don't know that I would have the time. I certainly couldn't. Like, I'm not going to take, take time off work so I can build a fence. That's just, it's not in me anymore. Yeah, I mean, I agree. You know, the other thing that I think is kind of funny is the whole idea of what we know versus what we're able to afford and how yeah. that always seems to be a, a little out of whack. A little? Sometimes it's a lot. <laughs> well, let's say that there's some intelligence behind this. So it's not ridiculously out of whack because you don't say, hey, I want to renovate this and you get the price. And you're like, whoa, I didn't expect that. Well, yeah. We all know what it's going to be. So it's the idea that, hey, I'm going to take on these one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten things. And there being some discovery on, am I going to get the item four or am I going to run out of money at two or can I get it? Can I get to 10 items? So part of that is the trying to design, you know, using your skill set to design solutions that are not only appropriate for your house, but appropriate for your budget. Yeah. I can give some very specific examples about that. I have them on my notes here that some point, I think we should kind of describe the work so people have a feel, but it has to do with when my wife and I set up our budget, we had a list of like 20 things that would be great to do. Yeah. And you just kind of have to try to prioritize them. Yeah. And we're like, okay, well, do we want to, do we want to get like two really big things done or do we want to get 15 small, but high value things done? Yeah. And we decided to go for the 15 high value things, not the two big ticket items for the reason we mentioned earlier, it's like, if I've got a hundred things wrong with my house, it doesn't make sense for me to just like slay it with kitchen cabinets when everything else is just complete garbage. Yeah. It's not, it's not all complete garbage. Like you say, you just got to work to the level, right? Cause that's kind of where I'm at too. I've been wanting to redo my kitchen, but if I put different cabinetry in here, then the rest of the house is going to look out of whack. It's that sort of domino and you just got to kind of try to play it. If I redo it, it's going to be nice, but it's not going to be too nice, if that makes sense, or it's not going to be so out of character for the rest of the house that it, there's no point in it. Well, I wonder sometimes there's an argument to be said that cabinets is a good example. So in my house, I have, let's see, one, two, three, four bathrooms, kitchen, bar, breakfast room cabinet, dining room built-in cabinets, den built. I have a lot of built-in cabinets yeah, you in do, my house. Actually. And the trick is you can say, well, I'm going to replace the ones in the kitchen. And then next year I'll do the ones in the bar in the den. And then two years after that, I'll do the, you know, so you kind of go, well, how long a plan, like how forward thinking and far out am I considering the work I'm doing? Yeah. But I think also knowing what I know about that sort of process, sometimes I worry about if you wait, something's not going to be available anymore. Some finish or something like that that you pick. So you have to be careful about doing that. Right. I mean, I've had that happen on projects where we go back to renovate something or fix something later and the product is not available anymore. That color is out of date or. Yeah. You know, we've planned for it. There's certain things and decisions we've made to where we've bought, you know, what's called attic stock so that 
Mm -hmm. Should we need more down the road? I've got two cases of tile sitting up in my attic. Yeah. Just in case something happens or if we go, you know what? I am going to close this in and I need to patch that hole. And so I need a couple pieces of tile. Yeah. We've planned, you know, I've prepared for things like that. Let's, uh, to kind of help set the table, because it's kind of important this conversation. Let me, and you can also take a stab at this when you're ready. Let me describe the scope of everything that we're doing in my house. Because the point of this particular episode is to kind of speak pointedly about what we're doing and why we chose to do those things. Sure. So we're removing the popcorn texture in my house everywhere. That was like the worst builder thing that ever existed. Popcorn texture is terrible. On ceilings. On ceilings. Yeah. You know, and that's when they spray your ceilings. And, and it normally it happens in poor quality homes. I'm just going to say it. My house has it. So we have popcorn texture throughout our entire house. Every single room has it. And it's disgusting. And part of the reason it drives me crazy is because I know you can't clean it. Yeah. And it's good for like attracting stuff because it's so rough, you know, dust and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's great. Do they make, I mean, I don't, I haven't been in a, this is, sounds terrible for me to say, but I haven't been in a new house in a long time. Do they still do that in houses now or is it different? You know, I don't actually know because I certainly would never use it. And I don't know anybody in my professional sphere of influence that would ever, yeah, that would use, ever it. use it. So could it exist? Yeah, I would think it would because if you go into any of the big box construction stores, you can find the hoppers that you can use to actually, if you need to do a patch job. Yeah. I had to spray. Remember, I think we told in another episode. Yeah, I have some in the spray can. Yeah. I mean, like they make it yeah. available, but I go, I don't know if it's just for patching stuff. Is that the goal behind it? Or is it in place because it's still a viable construction process? So I have no idea. Removing popcorn texture. We're also putting in all new trim throughout the entire house. So every room is getting new baseboards, new casing, new crown mold. It was funny. I haven't put crown mold in a house in a long time. Because for the last, I don't know, 10 years, I've been asked to do pretty much exclusively modern houses. And I get to work with good contractors. The reason why crown mold exists is if you're doing a traditional home and it also hides some poor construction technique. Like, why would you put the effort into making your walls and your ceiling joints come together perfectly if you're just going to put a piece of beveled wood trim over it? So they don't. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to do that. And I can tell yeah. you right now, my house was certainly not built well enough to not have something that kind of hides where the wall and the ceilings come together. Yeah. So new trim everywhere. We're painting everything. So all that new casing gets painted. All the ceilings get painted. All the walls are getting painted. Some of the rooms have that really terrible like pancake batter texture that we've showed. So in some cases, we're ripping out sheetrock and putting new sheetrock in because it's too heavy. And in some places, it's a little bit lighter. We're able to skim coat over it and get rid of that. We're putting in all new countertops, which is shockingly expensive, but it's a high value item. So we're doing that. We're putting in new lighting everywhere. What kind of countertops? Are you going like solid surface or? No, we're actually going with a dolomite, which is kind of a, okay. a combination, kind of in between granite and marble. So we're going with that. Okay. And I'm excited. I think it's one of the things that's going to make the biggest impact on how things appear. It's certainly going to freshen things up quite a bit. New lighting. We had really old, terrible, like six by six brass recessed cans that had textured glass lenses on them. So the light quality was pretty poor. And I'm not even sure that they were meant to be interior lights, quite honestly. I was like, those sound like <laughs> some I have outside on my porch under my overhead. Yeah, it's very weird. So <laughs> every room is getting all new lights, which is nice because we're already seeing the benefit of that. We are sanding down every cabinet in our house because they put latex paint over the original oil-based paint so it's all sloughing off mm. and the cabinet doors are when they screwed them on they screwed them in with screws that are like three sixteenths of an inch long so you open a door like about the time you open it like for the 150th time the screw just pops out it's junk that's wild yeah so we're repainting everything but we're putting in new drawer glides we're putting on new hinges and we're putting new poles on everything but we're keeping the existing huh. cabinetry well that's a lot of work even there just doing that well, let me tell you, they've been working on the kitchen the last couple of days and the smell, because we're going back with oil-based paint, the smell is Ooh, hardcore. That's serious stuff. It's hardcore. So It's a fun time. <laughs> I'm at my creative <laughs> peak at my about three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. When I used to work at a cabinet shop and we'd do that, it would spray like urethane clear coats on stuff. You couldn't do it for too long. You get a headache. Yeah. I don't know how these guys do it, quite honestly. Killing brain cells. <laughs> And then, of course, there's my 
somewhat famous fireplace that we've removed all the stone from, and we're going to put a new brick veneer on the outside of it. We're making it larger so we can build in some cabinets, and we're actually going to run some new power to it so we can hang a TV on that wall. Because it's the nicest room in the house, quite honestly. And there's a fireplace in there, and it gets great light in there, and we don't get to spend much time in there. Because let's be honest, most of the time we're sitting around, we're watching TV. So (laughs) are you going to put a mantle in there? Yeah, we're going to do a brick mantle. Oh, okay. I started looking at doing all these different variations. And in the end, I was like, you know, I think I'm just going to do, I'm going to do a brick one. We're redesigning the bar, which is a big player in my house. There were challenges to it. And I'll probably end up writing a blog post about the process at some point. But the floor steps down. Like if you were to walk up to the bar, the floor drops six inches. And so when you're on the bartender side, of it, it's at 36 inches high. And then there's a six inch bump up for a raised counter. But at the same time, it raises up the floor on the other side goes down six inches. So you're not at bar elevation. You can't put a chair there because it'd be like at the bottom of your chin. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't work. So we're redesigning to deal with that issue. And then we're going to put in all new plumbing fixtures, you know, sinks and faucet sets and stuff like that. There's a couple other things, you know, we're doing some drainage outside, but for the most part, that's it. So none of the things we're doing are like, monstrously large, like huge Herculean tasks, but it's touching every single room in our house. So when somebody walks into our house, everything's going to look fresh. That was an important consideration for us. Yeah. I mean, I think the cabinets, like the kitchen cabinets and the lighting and the fireplace probably seem like the biggest things to tackle in that whole scenario. Yeah. The kitchen cabinets definitely are, but like the popcorn ceiling, while it's not hard, you got to get everything out of the way and it's in every single room. Oh yeah. I mean, messy, but not, not overly complicated. No, as I guess is what I was getting yeah. more time consuming. Mow that stuff off and move on, but super messy. Yeah. But here's the problem. You scrape it off. Then you got to re skim coat the surface of the ceiling and then you got to sand it down yeah. and then you got to do that again. And then you got to sand it down again and then you can paint. So that yeah. in concert with doing the walls and putting new baseboards and casing everywhere means every single room in my house is destroyed. It's like, you know, you walk through it now and and it looks like a dirt bomb went off. You're just going to have to pay somebody to come clean it really good when you're done. Uh, You know, I made sure that when I had my contractor put the pricing together, I was like, you need to make sure that you include an extensive final clean in here. But the truth is, is I spend part of every weekend cleaning, cleaning up just so that I need to function in this house. Yeah. You wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, your throat hurts because you're breathing in dust. (laughs) Yeah. I have a decent filter system on my house. I have two units and they both have Mervate filters in them. And yeah. I'm changing those filters out and they're 30 bucks a pop. Just casually picking them up, you go, that's a lot of money. In the scheme of what yeah. we're spending, I'm changing them every week. Every week we get a new one in there. And it's just to keep paint dust and drywall dust and just construction garbage from blowing everywhere. Because our house, yeah. 3,500 square feet, every single room right now is unusable except for the Jack and Jill bedroom, which one's my daughter's bedroom. The other is her playroom because we only have one kid. But my wife took that room over for her office when we started to work from home. And then there's the master bedroom, which is where I spend all my days and where my wife and I sleep. That's it. Like kitchen, living room, dining room, den, family room, guest bedroom, utility room, guest hallway, guest bathroom, all that. No kitchen. Like we don't have sinks anymore. Every day I have to unwrap and rewrap the refrigerator just to get to it. I mean, it's (laughs) brutal. Yeah, because it's not like I can just roll it in like, oh, they're working on the kitchen, so I'll roll it in the den. They're doing the den too. Oh, maybe roll it in the family room. Nope, doing the family room. Let's roll it into the garage, man. Oh, my God. Well, we have, well, we do have a garage that's in the fridge. I know, have that one in the fridge. But that's where all the beer goes. So Uh, so that's just where the beer is. I know. That's the best fridge, but still. important real estate. So what we ended up talking about when we decided to take this on, so we did a cash out refi. We bought the house at great timing and we rolled a ton of the proceeds from the sale of our last house into it. So we're sitting pretty good and we're like, our concern and the reason why we decided to do this, despite this being house number seven, this is the only house I think that I've ever bought knowing it had a shelf life, which sounds kind of silly to me to say now. Looking back, it's definitely silly. But every house I bought, I went, we're going to be here a long time. Oh, seriously? I always thought you were just like, yeah, it's temp. It's temp. It's temp. No. First house we bought two years, we're like, huh. it's like, we're going to be here for, I'm going to be dying in this house. And then we sold it two years later. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And we bought yeah, another okay. house. We sold that two years later. And then we bought the third house. We were there for four years. And then we bought the fourth house and we were there for four years. And then the fifth house, we were there for five years. And then, I mean, we always have some reason why we move. A lot of it has to do with what we wanted to do to the house versus what the value of the house was relative to the other houses around it. So mm-hmm. like my first house, it was a thousand square feet and had a terrible utility room that needed to get fixed. I mean, I designed the coolest addition <laughs> and I went, yeah. this is dumb. I mean, it's going to cost me $30,000 to do this addition. And I bought my house for $92,000. Yeah. I was like, it's over 30%, 40% of the house cost. Yeah. And you're not going to get it back when you sell your- Not going to get it back. 1,400 square foot house. No, it went from like 1,000 square feet to 1,080. <laughs> I mean, it was, oh, seriously, so just 80. It was, yeah, it was just a utility room. <laughs> so you decide, well, that just doesn't make sense. So let's just sell this house, take those proceeds, roll them into the next one. Yeah. That mentality worked out really well for us. I think, you know, on some of our houses, we made 40, 50, 60% profit from what we bought it for versus what we sold it for. And it allowed us to- Nice. Well, it allowed us to trade up a lot, but- those were during the years of me doing all this stuff myself. So building fences and decks and painting and yeah, replacing yeah. all the hard, like that first house, I redid all the baseboard and crown mold and trim and base. And I mean, I did all that stuff. Yeah. Second house, I rebuilt a bathroom and tiled it, made a shower. And I mean, I did all that work myself. So now we're at the point to where we know that my daughter's going to graduate from high school in two years and she'll go to some college, presumably for four years. These days it could be more, but you know, four years, presumably. At a minimum. Yeah, at a minimum. But I'm going to assume, you know, my daughter's kind of on point. So I think, well, when she gets out of college, you know, I kind of told her the other day, I said, you know, we're covering your undergraduate degree. You're good, but you get a graduate degree, that's on you. She goes, what? You're not going to pay for my graduate degree? And I go, no, (laughs) that's on you. She goes, well, everything I know that I'm interested in studying is going to require me to go to graduate school. And I go, there you go. That's still start saving now. It's just you got to keep in mind. It's like, how bad do you want it? Right. I'm not paying for it. Like, get a job. Yeah. In undergrad, when I'm paying for it and sock that stuff away. Yeah. Or, you know, the premise is that with a graduate degree, you're going to, you're going to get a job that pays you better. That's why you're getting the graduate degree to go along with it. You're going to pay for it with your improved salary circumstances. So I'm not entirely sure that when she's done with college, her undergraduate degree list, that we're still going to be in this house. So that was a consideration into what kind of changes did we make but that will have put us in this house for 10 years and considering that when we bought it the quality of the work the guy did to sell it was ridiculous i've covered that in the post a few times but i didn't want to find myself on the market with a house that was 30 years old and everybody who walked into it knew that they had to fix everything yeah because one of the considerations that i'll talk about with people when renovating their house is if you are going to sell this house and that is part of the considerations that you want to figure into it, which they're not always. I mean, part of the reason we're doing it now is because I want to be able to enjoy living here for the next six years, as opposed to me not doing it and thinking I need to fix stuff just to put it on the market. Yeah. Just to sell it. Yeah. I think that's the most painful thing to do is to be like, uh, we can't sell it like this. We got to dump a bunch of money into it and then I don't get to enjoy any of it at all. Yeah. That's always was an issue for me when we we're buying houses because I thought everyone else has got terrible taste. And I don't want to pay a premium to undo what you did because you thought it needed to be done to make it market ready. Yeah, exactly. I'm not entirely sure that I have that issue with the houses that I've sold since we've done pretty well. And, you know, the premise is always when you're going to sell your house, people need to be able to project their lifestyle into your place, which is why realtors will tell you to, you know, take your children's sketches off the microwave and yeah, thin out stuff and maybe don't clean it up and tidy it up and... <laughs> Well, no one's told me I needed to clean my house because skim it up. We kind of do that already, but well, I just meant like declutter. Yes. Okay. Declutter. I don't have a lot of clutter to begin with. So, so that hasn't really been an issue, but that's one of the things that you want to consider is can people project themselves and their lifestyle into your house? So all the things that we mentioned or the things that I mentioned that we're doing now will actually help facilitate that people will walk in and not think that it's dirty, even when it's spotless. You know, like when they put the wood floors down in my house, which are garbage, by the way, that was one of the items that we debated pulling up and fixing. Mm. But when we considered how much square footage of our house had wood floors to it, I was like, that's going to eat up about 28% of our budget to do these wood floors. And so we decided, okay, I mean, as much as I hate, 
I hate the wood floors in my house. I'm not even sure they qualify as wood floors. Oh, just thinking about it depresses me. That was probably <laughs> that was probably the biggest thing that I knew we couldn't do because of where the budget was was fixing the wood floors. Yeah, and, and that would be a pretty extensive undertaking in your house for sure. Well, it kind of goes everywhere except for the bedrooms. So yeah, I know. And I'm saying it, that would be a big deal. Yeah, and you know, and for budget purposes, we kind of tell people, well, you probably need to look at like the ten to fourteen dollars a square foot for wood floors. If you're going to do it. And that is just for wood floor purchase and installation. That is not fixing trim. If you have to pull off the trim to get it installed correctly and then reset trim mm -hmm. and then paint it and all that kind of stuff. That's just mm -hmm. for wood floors. You go out and buy wood floors. You're going to pay 10, at least in our neck of the woods, 10 to $14 a square foot. Sometimes you can get some volume discount, you know, because we're in the trade and I'm doing air quotes here. We can get some decent prices. Because now you can end up getting like engineered wood floors, which are actually have like a wear layer on top of like a three eighths inch plywood, yeah. you know, as opposed to a veneer on top of click and snap particle board kind of systems. Yeah, 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 yeah. And those can be really cost effective. You can end up getting those a lot of time in the seven to like nine dollar range and get like wide boards and in lengths that aren't twelve inches. Yeah, those come pre finished, so those that actually can save you some some money if that's a route that you want to pursue, but. But we decided, no, we're not going to do wood floors because it ate up too big a chunk of our budget. So I think that when you're renovating your own project and you're going through this yourself is, you know, you have those considerations about how long you might live at the house. You have resale value considerations and you have the enjoyment of the house while you're actually living there. What do I take on? Because I want to enjoy myself for the next six years. So what projects are you taking on at your house? I mean, I kind of know because you tell me offline, but. Well, actually, I've almost always got something going on around my house, but at the moment, I've been trying to get things settled down. And I, too, just recently refied my house and got some cash out, and so I'm using that money to do a few things around the house. But what I am trying to do at the moment is set up my new home office, essentially. Yeah. The person I bought this house from, she was an artist, and she had a studio. She has an art studio, essentially, that's kind of detached from the house. I mean, it's connected, but you still have to go outside. So it's under the same roof, but it's detached. Like, do you leave conditioned air and go into unconditioned air or you just kind of go through like a, a indoor tunnel? Oh, no, no. You go through a, you go out of under like a porch, under a patio and into. Yeah. But you go outside. Conditioned space. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But that space is no longer conditioned because it had a through wall hotel type air conditioner unit in it that no longer works. So I've just been using it for storage mainly mm. for a while. And now that things are changing in my life professionally, I'm going to turn it into a home office. So that's. I'm redoing everything, walls, paint, cabinetry, floors. I'm going to install a new air conditioning unit. Are you going to do a mini split? Yeah, I'm going to do a mini split now. So that means I've got to patch the exterior wall. I've got to redo some redwood vertical siding that I have there. When I pull out that through wall unit and then patch all the sheetrock on the inside and then repaint and do a bunch of other stuff. So it's mostly cosmetic work. The air conditioning unit is probably the biggest portion. And I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with the ceiling is the next thing. Because it does have popcorn ceiling, of course, because it was built in the 70s. It is also, though, sadly enough, it's got a bunch of fluorescent, four-foot fluorescent tubes for the lighting in there, and it's just really horrible. Those are so, grim. Yeah, I'm going to try to figure out something to do there, but I haven't got that part figured out yet. All of that stuff I'm doing on my own, so I'm kind of taking a different approach. Although I wish I would have paid somebody because it would be done. <laughs> and not, I'd be in there instead of going, man, I still got to do this and do that. But in the meantime, I've been redoing a bunch of stuff in my daughter's rooms, like painting and that kind of stuff, because my youngest decided she doesn't need a little kid's room anymore. So you know, I had to repaint that whole room and redo some trim and stuff in there. And I've been a little bit delayed. Didn't have as much free time during this whole pandemic thing as I thought I was going to. You know, that's the kind of scope of work that you're going to get some real value from, because if you were to put your house on the market, let's say, people walk into that artist studio and they go, well, it's just like a big, gross storage room. It's a lot different yeah. than they walk in and they see... Again, project your lifestyle into a space they can look at and go, oh, this could be the kids' playroom, you know, if they have kids and they're like, well, they can have movie nights here with their friends or this can be a, an attached yet detached office, not too unlike our friend Eric Reinhold and his 17 steps to his studio. Mine's like eight steps, I think, Ooh, out the door. Scoreboard, you win. It's a really nice space. It's got good light, natural light, and it's nice. And so once it's done, I think it is going to be a benefit. It's going to have a sink and some cabinetry and stuff in there as well. Oh, it'll be good. Part of what we should kind of cover just to let people know that it, I mean, obviously it has to be considerations, but 
when we started this process, my wife and I independently from one another wrote down the things that we wanted to do to the house. You know, as soon as we knew we we're going to go, oh, we're going to get some money. What do you want to tackle? Yeah. Which we had discussed previously, you know, in the last couple of years, every now and then it'll come up and say, man, should we do this? And I'll go, how are we going to pay for it? <laughs> yeah. I'm a pay with cash kind of person. My wife's like, we got it. We got it. We got it. And I'm like, I want a pile of cash. And then that's how we'll do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we independently went off and said, here are the things that are important to me. And then we got back together and we compared our list. And with a few notable exceptions, they were pretty similar. Of course, the things that are on my list, like I wanted to redo the floors because <laughs> I hate them so much. And we have like, <laughs> our pool has this very, very, very slow leak and it just drives me a little crazy. Like it's not a big deal. Yeah. Like, I'm not even so sure that you would know, like I've had two pool people out to look at it and they're like, we can't find the leak. Like that's how small it is. Yeah. You're like, it's there though. I'm like, it can't yeah, be evaporating yeah. this fast people. And they're like, uh, well, I don't know what to tell you. So we set our priorities based on the budget that we had established for ourselves, which I'll just let people know, $70,000. So we had identified with our $70,000, how far could we get? Which meant me putting pencil to paper tomorrow. I'll say, can we do this? And I'll say, no. Can we do this? Yes. Can we do this? Yes. Can we do this? Not as well as you might want to think, you know? So we went through that whole list and I kind of did my own estimate on what things would cost. And, and then once we did that, we kind of, summarized everything up and we said, okay, do we want to get 10 things done and it'd be these 10 things or do we want to get seven things done? So the next step for us was once I'd kind of blocked out the pricing was to set schedule of priorities. And for us, we decided to go with touch as many things as possible as the priority. For example, when we're redoing the countertops, every single countertop in the house is getting redone. And so that's both master bedrooms, the guest bathroom, the second guest bathroom, the bar countertops in the, on the built-in cabinetry, the breakfast room, kitchen island, kitchen, backsplashes, all of it. It's all getting done. And mm -hmm. that singularly came to about $18,000, which is a pretty high ticket. That was the most expensive scope that we were doing. But I thought it's the one thing that people are going to walk in and go, wow. That was a, an important one for us because while we talked about replacing the cabinets, we knew that we couldn't replace every cabinet in the house. That probably would have been a forty dollars to $50,000 line item to redo all the cabinetry. Yeah. And that's not even taking into consideration all the peripheral things that would have to be dealt with by tearing out those cabinets, like fixing walls. And you can't tear out cabinets without redoing the countertops. So, yeah. you know, next thing you know. And possibly or, floors if things change. Well, one of the things that is on our list, and I didn't list it earlier, is we are replacing all the tile floors. That was a big one for us, but the rest of it had to do with how can we make the house look fresh and clean? That was our litmus test. Like if somebody walked in, does it look clean? And like, you know what? Popcorn texture does not look clean. Heavily <laughs> splattered wall texture does not look clean. The glue yeah. that was all over the baseboards from when they installed our cheap wood floors doesn't look clean. And it sounds kind of ridiculous to say, Yes, I like to be clean, but I don't think I'm OCD about it. But I don't want people walking in and they go, gross, that looks like you couldn't wipe that off. Yeah. We had a lot of those moments in our house, which were ridiculous. So when we set our priorities, we kind of did things like in various stages, and then we would come back and revisit so that we would say, all right, here's all the things we want to do. Here's what we anticipate all these things costing. And then we reassessed our priorities based on what the estimate was. And so then when we had the contractor came in, I basically was able to give him our list of priorities and say, this is how we want you to price stuff. And we want you to break it out in these scopes so that that way we could make sure that my estimates weren't wildly out of place with what he was actually going to say it was going to cost. Yeah. Which as it turns out, I was pretty close. We didn't have any major snafus. We should spend some time talking about preparing the documentation for construction. I think I already know the answer to this, Andrew, but I'm going to ask you anyway. So did you do drawings for your renovation? <laughs> no, I did not do any drawing. <laughs> That's shocking. I did some sketches. I did lots of measuring, lots of that kind of stuff and figuring things out. But no, I didn't have to do any drawings. You didn't do any drawings. I, I don't mean just from a permitting standpoint, but just from uh, solving it. Yeah, there are things that I have sketched out and things that I'm continuing to sketch out because 
in there, I'm going to try to build this custom bookcase, try to do something yeah, kind of cool. And I'm trying to figure all that out. So there's drawings of that kind involved. Nothing for permitting. Yeah. I guess it was my last house. We had a weird, janky indoor room that had been an outdoor room that they turned into an indoor room, mm -hmm. except it was done as badly as it could have been done. So we... <laughs> We renovated it, the whole thing, and poured new concrete slab, the whole thing. So I had to do all new drawings for it. And it was yeah. just one page. It had like nine, nine or 12 drawings on it. Complete yeah. scope of work is enough to go to the city and get a permit. And that was in Highland Park, which is kind of fussy about, you know, what you document, how you document it. But for this renovation, since we're not adding any square footage, we're not doing anything structural, and I can have trade permits pulled for the scope of work that we're doing without documentation, mm -hmm. I did not do official drawings for my house. Mm. Probably because... Not only do I not want to, I don't really think I have the time. And I think it'd be a, a waste of... Kind of a waste of time, yeah. Definitely with you being there all the time, right? I mean, you're able to kind of give instructions about, well, do this and do that, and then... <laughs> yeah, you'd think, right? <laughs> yeah, so what I did is I built a 3D model of my house. And I did that really to facilitate conversations with my wife. Mm -hmm. So as I started to say, hey, this is what I think we should do it was a lot easier for me to have it modeled in three dimensions to show her than it was for me to show 2D plan and elevation drawings. Not that yeah. she can't think three-dimensionally, but she doesn't do it as good as I do it. And it's easy for me to build a model of it, show it, go into Enscape and go, this is what I'm talking about. And she gets it. It really kind of facilitates us moving from A to B much more quickly. Yeah, I'm But then sure. I'm able to take those documents and use them as a conversation tool with my contractor and with the individual subs. The thing that I find wildly amusing, and not in a ha-ha way, but in a slap your forehead kind of way, is despite having given this information to my contractor, a lot of times the subs, they have no idea that that stuff exists. And so I'll tell them. So in the morning, I'll say, this is what this is. And then I'll walk back in the afternoon and go, that's not what they did, <laughs> right? So the next day, when I see them in the morning, I go, this isn't right. So what's funny about this, I probably brought, and this has really been focused on the trim carpenter who... Quite honestly, it's been doing a pretty good job. Like the execution is really good. I'm happy with the execution. The comprehension sometimes isn't exactly there. I think the guys that I'm using, which I know who they are. It's not like this isn't some guy I just found on the corner of the street. Yeah, I know this guy and he's currently working on one of the projects for my old office that probably has about a $15 million price tag on it. Yeah. So he is a competent contractor, but he is using C-level guys. When I mean C-level, what I mean is they need a lot of A to B. Like you can't just cut them loose because my project's not big enough to have a full-time superintendent. Yeah, they need some oversight. It's not the kind of guys that you can just turn loose and they know what they're doing because they're really good at it. They've been doing it for so long. Yeah, and it's also guys that maybe they don't have the same sense of pride that the guys that work on my A jobs might have. Yeah. You know, like nobody wants to be the weak link on a lot of those jobs I do professionally. But on my own house, I bet, eight out of every 10 guys, they're just there to do whatever somebody tells them to do. Yeah. So I've brought the trim carpenter back into my bedroom mm -hmm. to my most holiest of places <laughs> and had him sit down next to me at my computer monitor as I spun him through the 3D model to explain what it is we're doing, what the objectives are, why things are the way that they are. So as I transition from one floor elevation to another, and how I want the trim to actually turn down. I have drawings, they're out there, but somehow seeing it in three dimensions really helps them as I move it. Yeah, which makes sense, Man. right? I think that's good. I mean, good that you have it. Well, it's the first time I've done it because I mean, this is the first time I've ever actually been on site 100% of the time while construction's going on. You're like full site job observation, man. Well, you know, the thing about that that makes it hard is I'm not really, I tell them all the time, I'm right here. Just walk down this hall, take a right. And ask me. And ask the question. But they never do. They never do. And I don't want to walk out there. You know, I'm not their boss. You know, how many times have you been on a job site? You had to tell the owner, don't talk to the subs. You know, you talk to me. <laughs> I talk to the contractor. Yeah. Contractor talks to the subs. That's how information yeah. flows. That's how it should flow. Yeah. And I get that. I don't want to be telling the trim carpenter to do something that he didn't price. And so next thing you know, I'm getting a change order because he didn't include something. Yeah. Whereas if I have that conversation directly with the contractor, he can say, well, I didn't price that. And I can say, well, you should have, because we talked about it and he'd go, okay, hopefully, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So you got to be careful about that. I don't really go and bother those guys during the day. 
but I do whip my contractor just about every night. I send him a list of like, this is not right. This isn't right. And I don't know why the workflow is happening in this order. And I'm having to be really, really careful with how I say it because again, I'm not paying top dollar for this. Yeah. I'm really trying to balance my expectations. You know, part of that comes from choosing a contractor who has the skill set that you need. I know what this guy's capable of doing and I know how he's, I should say this, you know, not that he listens to this podcast, <laughs> not that I would be worried that if he did, because I don't think I've said anything that he would disagree with. But if there is anything that's not what it's supposed to be, he's fixed it. If that's a luxury, which it seems like it shouldn't be, somehow you get bonus points for doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you know, I, I, but I understand what you're saying, yeah. So the challenge that we've had is we have a young woman who's going to come and live with us for the school year. She's a boarder at my daughter's school, but they're not letting the boarders come this year. So she's from China. She's going to come live in our guest room for the upcoming school year. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as we agreed to do that, we're like, we got to get this going now yeah. so that she has a place where she can come and exist and function. So we're not bringing her into a construction zone. Oh my God. So Thank bad. you for staying. Here's your sawhorse bed. <laughs> and we're like, here's a hammer and some nails exactly. and a dust mask. Here's some sheetrock. Go to town. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got to carry their weight in this house. That's right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we had conversations with the contractor about, hey, here's certain milestones that we got to hit. We got to have this done so that these people can be where they need to be when they need to be there. And we're not going to make it. So we had to make the painful decision to actually rent an apartment for a couple of weeks. Oh, extra expenditure that you weren't expecting. Yeah. And you know, and I think it's probably going to cost us around $2,500, which I mean, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of other things I'd prefer to do with $2,500. Yeah. I'd rather be putting the 2,500 bucks into my house for sure. Yeah. But. Or anything else. But I mean, in this process, right? Literally anything else yeah. other than this. Yeah. But the part that even stings a little bit more is it's not for me. It's for my wife, my daughter, <laughs> and this other young woman. <laughs> I don't get to come. And they're like, of course. The problem isn't at night. The problem is during the day because the workers aren't here at night. But I feel like I need to be here to make sure the project goes the way it's supposed to go. Maybe that's a little yeah. micromanaging on my part. I don't know. There's a cartoon that somebody shared, and, and it was the idea that I don't even know where this cartoon came from. Maybe it was like a New Yorker or something like that. Uh, somebody's in hell, obviously. And they're standing with the devil. They're having to choose what their eternal punishment's going to be. <laughs> yeah. There's two openings and one says burn for all of eternity. Yeah. And you can see fire inside, which looks terrible. And the other one says live in your house while it's being remodeled. <laughs> and the caption is pretty much a toss up. Yeah. Hey, true. And we've had people say, you know, Hey, I need to live in my house while we're renovating it. We try to put a plan together for how that's going to happen. And like, Oh, we'll punch through this wall. And, you spend money to build fake walls for a while so that yeah. the house can be open and it's air conditioned and all that kind of stuff. What we're doing in our house is so comprehensive. We really need to not be here. But with the pandemic, where are we going to go? Yeah, Nobody's working up at the office. We don't even get the break of leaving the house during the day. <laughs> yeah, to get away from it. To get yeah. away from it. Here comes mesothelioma or whatever it is. Mesothelioma. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, luckily, luckily, I had to do the research on this. They stopped using asbestos and popcorn ceilings the year before. It became outlawed the year before my house was built. Oh, awesome. So that probably means it's in my ceiling. Could be. 1977 was the last, I think it was the last year that before it was outlawed. It's either 76 or 77. Awesome. My house was built in 1975. Yeah. So if you have popcorn ceiling texture, it's highly likely that you have mesothelioma now. Fantastic. Yeah. So we should try to wrap up the idea of home renovations. I think we've covered a lot of ground with home renovation, mostly complaining and war stories. <laughs> there had to be some beneficial advice in there somewhere, maybe. Yeah. At least one or two nuggets. If, if I were to try to sum up the advice, so someone said, hey, Bob, I'm thinking about renovating my house. What shouldn't I do? I'd say, well, don't live there if you can help it. When you set your priorities, set your priorities based on the value that you perceive from those items. You have to consider, am I going to sell the house? And this is my forever house. There is no hard and fast list of things that you should do over other things because it really has to do with what matters to you. Somebody said, I get my greatest joy from cooking. I might say, well, we should put more priority to those spaces rather than fixing texture on walls or whatever in bedroom number five. Yeah. You know, there's things yeah. that you can do that kind of help set that scale. 
But what would be helpful, at least it worked for my wife and I, was that exercise we went through when we both identified the things that we wanted to get done and then we compared our lists. And then we had essentially, I mean, I did it, but anybody could have their contractor then break out the pricing of the scope based on those buckets of scope that they've identified. Like if you say, I want to redo my floors, that's a scope. Mm -hmm. I want to redo the trim. These are things that the contractor in theory would be getting prices from subs to do that scope of work. So they should be able to tell you, this is what it'll cost to do this scope of work. Now, I will say that process is a lot easier when you don't do full scope by room. So if you say, don't do wood floors, period, as opposed to what would it cost to do the wood floor in this room? And what would it cost to do the wood floor in that room? When you have to bring the trade onto the job site at all, there's a cost associated with that. And obviously, the more scope of work there is, the lower unit cost you're going to get for that scope. So the advice that I told my wife, the advice I would tell other people if they're going through it is eliminate work by trade, not by room. So if you're going to paint, if you're going to do new casing, if you're going to do new wood floors, if you're going to do new cabinetry, the idea would be, where can I break out that scope of work so that I could either eliminate those people altogether, which is like why we didn't do wood floors. Yeah. Right. Because I can't do just part of them and the cost, you would have a really, really difficult time pricing. What would it take if we just did the new wood floor in the kitchen, breakfast room and family room? Yeah. In the partial place. Because you're going to yeah. pay the same, essentially what we're called mobilization and startup costs on 10 square feet or 10,000 square feet. That's right. And you're going to pay a higher unit cost for that same scope of work. Yeah. Dollar square foot when you're doing 5,000 square foot of wood floors is going to be less than one square foot if you're doing 100 square feet of wood floors. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I think that's pretty straightforward. So understanding your priorities, understanding your goals, trying to figure out if this is for you and your forever house versus is this something that just makes my life a little bit better for the next couple of years while I live in this house before some other life event forces me or gives me the opportunity to move. I didn't say this, but I don't think that my wife and I want to live in a 3,500 square foot house that's as big as ours with nobody else but the two of us. Yeah. I don't need all that room. No. I mean, I don't want to clean it. You know? Yeah. I don't want to condition it. And You're just going to close off a room and it's going to gather dust. Yeah. You know, and who knows where, what part of the country my daughter moves to. And we just have the one. So it's not like we have a home base where all the kids are coming home to. The one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's the one. That just makes you laugh. It's like it's a yeah. thing. We just have that one. We have yeah, that we one should. kid. We got that one. We got the one. But let's say that she goes to school in California or something. And that's where she stays. I go, I don't know that I want to not have my kid close to me. Yeah. And her life is on, the, on an upward trajectory. And mine is at least holding steady. <laughs> So I'm not so sure that, you know, in six years that I might go, you know what, I'm ready to, for something new to do. And I'm going to move to California so I can be close to the one. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> okay. To that kid. Yeah. Yeah. To I that know. kid. Okay. So let's get into the hypothetical. So this is the third show in a row where we've done an Andrew Hawkins hypothetical. Oh, wait, this one's mine too. When yes. did I send you these non-terrible ones? Oh, these are... They go back a while. I was like, these have got to be some really old ones. This is vintage 2019 oh, hypothetical like question. So I pulled out two and I said, and actually both of the two that I sent you were both yours. So you had a hundred percent chance of choosing your own hypothetical for today's show. Interesting. And so Andrew chose the following question for today's hypothetical. If you could have a single button beside your bed that did one thing and you could only push it once a day, what would you want it to do? And while this button has magical properties, right? Because you're pushing it and something's happening. It doesn't work miracles, meaning it doesn't make money fall from the sky. You can't change your body. Let's say make me five inches taller or, you know, in my case, lose 10 pounds or whatever the case could be. It can't make somebody love you. Those sort of things. It seems like it's kind of a chore performing button. Yeah. It's not like it's a different thing every day. It's like, I want this button to do this. Every time I push it. So. And I can only push it once a day, right? You can only push it once a day. So I was kind of all over the place with this one. Granted, I haven't had that long to think about it, but I think it's a pretty clear choice when I start to think about it. Ooh, pretty clear, huh? Yeah. And I'm hoping, I don't think this breaks the rules, but we'll see. I would like it that. It's going to break the rule. It's going to break the rule. I know it is. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> Maybe it's because I've been spending so much time in my house in quarantine and I feel like. This is one of the things I have to do nonstop. But if I could push a button and have it happen instantly, it would be clean the house. 
like top to bottom, clean the house. Yeah. Press the button and my house is sanitized and clean. Oh, I get it. During get this it. thing, man, I swear I clean my kitchen like four times a day. Every wow. time I turn around, it's like, God, I got to wash more dishes and put them in the dishwasher. Wash more. And I'm like, oh my God. So for sure. I mean, even before this, though, that would probably might've been my thing is to just whenever I wanted to, if it was at night before I went to bed, boosh, yeah. clean it while I'm sleeping or as I walk out the door to go to work, whatever. Well, I don't know why you would think that would be cheating. I don't know, because it's the whole house. I'm not saying clean one part. I'm saying like clean my whole house. I get it, because normally you're much more aggressive in your loophole finding cheats than that. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was trying to play by the rules. Well, I'll tell you, this is part of the reason why I think I wonder if this question is kind of boring, so maybe we ought to trick it up, because that's my answer too. Yeah. I was thinking, what would I use it for? You know, like prepare me a sandwich. Like, I don't know if I want, I don't want that many sandwiches to begin with. (laughs) So I thought. Obviously, it's got to be about what can you do to make your life better? And for me, it's time. Yeah. And how can I get some right. time back by not doing something that I, let's be honest, I don't really want to do in the first place, but I do spend a lot of time doing it. Or at least my wife does. I just can't. <laughs> we share the responsibilities fairly well, evenly. Yeah. Because I was going to say, well, maybe just do laundry because I don't like really doing that either. I feel like I could tolerate that probably as much as. More so than having to clean my house because it's not like I'm doing I don't laundry understand. Every day. You got two kids; they should be doing all the laundry. <laughs> I can tell you. Look, so growing look, up, I can tell you they growing up I'm too OCD we, about it. Oh, you won't let them do it. Even if they said, "Daddy, please, we really want to do no, the laundry," you wouldn't let them do it. They try it and they jack it up, and I get, I get blows my mind. I'm oh, like, that's not how you purpose. fold it. That's not how you fold it. Oh, <laughs> that's the Bill Cosby technique, right? That's the chocolate cake. You know, the whole like go downstairs and fix breakfast for your children. Yeah. And he's all mad and he's like, I'll go to make a cake. And then the youngest kid comes down and goes, goes, What do you want for breakfast? And he goes, I want to have chocolate cake. And he's like, Chocolate cake. And his brain started thinking, There's eggs in chocolate cake. Flour is in chocolate. <laughs> he goes, You want chocolate cake? Chocolate cake. When he cuts a slice of chocolate cake. Yeah. And then like the next kid come down and sees the other one eating chocolate cake and he's like, Oh, father. May I too have a piece of chocolate cake? And he's like, chocolate cake? And he goes, you need something to drink, something breakfasty, grapefruit juice. And everyone's like, oh. Yeah. And he's like, these are not your kids. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Cosby, besides being a bad guy now, uh, had some pretty funny bits. So, yeah. Yeah. Back in the day, he was pretty funny. That whole bit was finally his wife comes down and the kids are singing, Dad is great. Give us a chocolate, chocolate cake. cake. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all like super happy. And, and the wife is like, She's about to blow up. And she's like, you go back up to that room. Like, she's got to solve this now. And he goes, so my wife sent me back to bed, which is where I wanted to be in the first place. <laughs> That's yeah. what your kids are doing to you, man. No, maybe, maybe, but you still. Train them up. That's a life skill. Laundry's a life skill. I know. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> my oldest does it. I just try not to watch. We've trained the one to do laundry. Yeah. So like in the summer, like the school she goes to is hard enough. Like, so during the year, she doesn't really have any chores Her chores are to get good grades and study like all day. During the summer though, she's got to have chores. One of those chores is doing laundry. So she does. Well, that's good. Well, I take that back. She'll do her own laundry and she'll fold our laundry. I asked my daughter, I'm going to start calling her the one. Sweet. So I asked the one in between posting the last podcast that went out a couple hours ago and us recording this one. Yeah. You know, I've been at it since like seven o'clock this morning. So I was like, I'm gonna go get in that pool. I'm gonna float 45 minutes because that's like my only yeah, time nice. away from the computer all day. Yeah. So my daughter comes out because they went swimming earlier and they're like, You wanna go swimming? I was like, I can't. I'm on a deadline. I gotta get this done. I'm jealous that you even got to though. The water in our pool is 96 degrees right now. It's crossed over that threshold of not really feeling that good. Yeah, of being nice. It's not nice anymore. It's sort of like bleh. like 90, 92 is about the warmest it is where it still feels kind of cool. 96, it's like you go, oh. Yeah. It's pretty warm. So it wasn't that great. And so I told her, she goes, well, what hypothetical are you guys doing tonight? And I told her, and of course she instantly started looking for loopholes. And so uh, I explained, I go, nothing magical, right? You can't do anything magical. And so for her, it was, she decided... I don't think cleaning the house showed up on her radar screen because she doesn't even clean her bedroom. Yeah, because she doesn't have to really worry about it. Not even a possibility. So for her, it was getting ready. She just wake up, hit that Uh-oh. button, and yeah. she would be dressed and showered and cleaned, make up her hair done or whatever, like make me ready, bam. Yeah. And I was like, I could see why that would be worthwhile, but not to me because that's not a big deal. I mean, I don't got a lot to work with. 
it could be worthwhile to me because that's time I get back. <laughs> you would just sleep longer. I know exactly. <laughs> and I guess in your whole time as a construct, you wouldn't miss it. You no. wouldn't, you wouldn't appreciate it either. I know. I know. It's not something you would realize that you gave. I mean, I kind of thought about like just like every morning, wake up and press that button and have got a nice big breakfast made. I mean, at some point I'm going to get tired of it or I'm going to weigh 900 pounds and have super high cholesterol because I've eaten eggs and bacon and toast for breakfast. Hash browns day, and oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, uh, I'd probably get old pretty quick. I thought so. about that. But cleaning for cleaning sure. Cleaning is definitely the way to go. So if you could make it a more magical button, let's say that you could, it literally could do anything if you pushed it. You could say, make me the smartest man on the planet. Bam. That's a one-use button. That feels like a waste. Yeah, it does, right? Yeah. All right. Well, what if... Or, but here's the other thing. You can't just say, give me $10 million. And every time you hit the button, you get $10 million. That's absurd. It takes any kind of fun. Yeah. But what if it's it was another like, one-time button? What was like $100? Just like every, every time day. You, it, you got $100. So it's $100 every day. Bam. Just showed up. That'd be pretty yeah, good. Not, I mean... I'd, that'd be pretty good. I mean, that'd be like 3000 bucks a month, right? Yeah, it's not a little amount of money. No. You know, but then you're like, okay, I have to hit it every day and I just stack my $100 bills up so that I have a big pile to do something with as opposed to just walking around mad money every day. <laughs> I know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this would be like, boom, I'm going to spend $30 on lunch today. You're like, I got you this, y'all. Treat. Yeah. I'll treat. I know, exactly. I got 100 bucks to spend every day. So, okay, here's another one. This is This may be a little bit, I'm going to go with it anyway. So what about if I said I wanted to wake up every morning or maybe not even every morning, but just anytime I hit that button, it made me happy. That's an interesting one. Could you describe overjoyed, happy, or just like mm, big smile on your face? No, I mean like in a good mood, it would change my temperament to make me like, oh, happy and I'm good and everything. Life is great and those kind of things. Because right, if I just something happened, I'm really mad and I'm, I want to go in there and hit that button so that it changes my mood. Okay. All right. Okay. That's interesting. It makes me in a better mood. Maybe I wake up sometimes me, I wake up in the morning and I'm just in a bad mood. I get out of bed and that's well, it. Well, here. Okay. So look, that's interesting. But here's what I find most interesting about that answer is that you're like, I wake up in the morning and I hit the button. I'm happy. I can yeah. tell you that the vast majority of the time, if I had that button and it made me happy, I'd use it at the end of the day. I hmm. rarely wake up in bad moods. Well, I do. I just wake up. But that's because I don't like to wake up, though. Well, I, <laughs> it seems like I don't get to sleep no matter what. So I just kind of roll over and yeah. eventually get out of bed. But the thing about it that I thought was kind of interesting is what you just said was we didn't put any restrictions on when during the day you could push the button. Yeah. Right. So I think actually that might even be a better answer than cleaning the house. Because if someone goes, man, the house dirty, you got to clean it. And I'm like, oh man, click. I'm happy. I'm loving cleaning the house. You know, like maybe that, <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe that could work. I thought you were going to go, look, the house is clean. And then that makes me happy anyway. But <laughs> yeah, it's no. the opposite. No, I think the idea that I didn't think about the idea that you could like change your temperament at the moment. And I think being really happy, that would be way better than cleaning the house. Well, I just didn't know because you said we can't make somebody love you or it can't change your body. So I wasn't sure like what well, we really meant mean like by that. So we both would like to lose a couple pounds. Well, right? yeah, so, sure. But I mean, again, to me, that's a one-time button. It's like, make me buff, boosh, and I'm no, done, but, you know? Okay. But you could say, like one option could be say, lose one pound of fat. Every time you hit it, bam, one pound of fat's gone. Yeah, but still, that's a temporary deal. I mean, at some point. I think you could probably use that for about 80 days, Andrew. And then, you know, you could eat whatever you oh, want because every day you could just keep, <laughs> hey, I didn't say like 120 days or something. Yeah, well, but still 80 days is a lot, dude. You know, I would weigh like uh, way less than I did when I was in high school if I lost 80 pounds. All right. The other thing that I think is kind of interesting is so what if it was, I get the benefits of having worked out for an hour. Bam. Every time you hit it is as if you just got back from an hour at the gym. Now, see, that would be good. I think that would be okay. Yeah. But what happens, like, see, the, here's the thing that's interesting. Until at some point I'm all, like, super bulgy, like, the bodybuilder guy, you'd have to stop doing it. Yeah, but if you say, like, you have to hit it every day. Whatever it is, you have to do it yeah. every day. Yeah. You can't do the, I want to lose a pound of fat, because eventually you're, like, you become, like, I have to eat so much garbage every day. I have to try to gain a pound of fat every day to yeah. maintain my weight. Maybe that wouldn't be that hard. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and it doesn't say like my heart's not going to like get covered in fat or something. True. Yeah. My arteries are going to be 100% clogged. Yeah. I'm going to weigh a buck oh five. I might not have any body fat, but I have like a lot of cholesterol problems. Yeah. So that's why I don't think the losing, but working out, even if you said I'd like the benefits of working out for 30 minutes, bam, 
you could probably push that every day and not worry about turning into some kind of Hulkazoid freak. Maybe. I don't know though. Do cardio. I need 30 minutes of cardio. Yeah. You'd have to be really specific, I think. Or what if you just said, I did an hour of yoga, mm. right? See, we're getting somewhere with this. It took a while. We're all like, this is boring. I don't know what to say. And now, now, yeah, we now we're getting into it. it. I know. That's what happens with these hypotheticals. If you like spend a little time working through it. So would you stick? I'm changing my answer to happiness. That's a good one. Oh, are you? Yeah, I'm going to change my answer to that. And would that just be, would your idea be that it would be like anytime you, whenever you went in there and, and hit it? Yeah, like you got to hit it every day, but you don't have to hit it at a particular time every day. Just yeah. within every 24-hour window, you hit it. And I go, mm -hmm. you know what? How amazing would it be that you knew with absolute certainty that at one point of your day, you're going to be in a really good mood and super happy. So does it last from the time you hit the button till the next day or? No, I don't think, I don't think it can because we're not designed. Human beings aren't designed to maintain. It's a magic button. Yeah, but see, the thing is, is it's kind of like, I actually read an article on this a while ago and it had to do with humans are designed to have highs and lows built into us because we can't maintain. Let's say you win the lottery. They're like, you're like, oh my God, I'm so excited. It's like impossible for you to remain that excited about having won the lottery. You know, yeah, you for forever or for forever. an extended period of time. Yeah. And even if you go, I got a billion dollars today and you wake up tomorrow and you go, I even got more money today because interest, your enthusiasm or your joy or whatever experience, it's going to drop because we're designed to not maintain those levels of euphoria. Yeah. It's Part like the endorphin that, levels can't maintain chemistry. Yeah. And that's true with feeling bad as well. So that's part of the reason why you end up getting these ebbs and flows. Everyone should have these moments of things are great and things are not great because yeah, that's the whole into every guard, little rain must fall. Like you can't appreciate the highs if you don't have some lows and vice versa. Okay. Then, so if we're going to go in that aspect and what's your ideal, would it be two hours or 20 minutes or what would you say for your, when I hit that button, I'm happy. It's going to last for X time. I think you'd say it's an hour. If you just think about all the things that you could do with that button, like clean the house or get yourself ready, you're really kind of trading one hour of what some activity for you not having to do it. Mm -hmm. Make me a sandwich, you know, make me a meal. Yeah. The time you would spend to make that meal or the time you would spend to clean the house or the time you would spend to get yourself ready in the morning. So we can kind of say. Or go to the gym. Yeah, or go to the gym. We're always kind of talking, it's like an hour or something. Okay. So whatever it is, it's effects or. I think it's safe to say you got to push it every day and it lasts for an hour. Mm, okay. But I think that if you were like profoundly happy for an hour, at the end of that hour, you wouldn't like drop into the chasm of unhappiness. I think that it would just kind of. Yeah, I don't either. I think it just ebbed down. Yeah, I think actually over time, I think that would have an effect on your overall happiness. If it was something that happened that way every day, I think eventually maybe it would just begin to spill over. Yeah. Like if you're a person, if you just smile all day, eventually you just, you're that person that smiles all day. Yeah. I, mean, I don't and, know what that's like, but yeah. And knowing that you could hit it at any time during the day, that'd be pretty good. No, I know. Cause there'd be some days where I get off the phone or get off a zoom call. It'd be great to go hit that button, like, man. <laughs> you know, it would kind of become like a drug. I think you like, you would anticipate, you would like probably be looking forward to like, Oh, I can't wait till I go hit that happy button. Yeah. Here's the question though, is would it have to stay in your house or could you put it in your pocket? Well, we did around? say it's by your bed. So you could like, oh, if you yeah, live okay. somewhere else, like if I moved, I'd still would have it by my bed, but it's not portable. Still at, by your bed. Yeah. So it'd be crappy. I was at work all day or in the middle of the day and I got in this argument with somebody or a client made me mad or a contractor. Or, and then I'm just sitting around the rest of the day going, God, I can't just drive home, home right then. Go, I need 30 minutes. I drive home, hit that button. <laughs> but then by the time you got back to your office, it'd be over. No, you still, you still like you're, you're back up at, you know, you're in a hundred, like maybe you're in a bad mood and it drops you down to a, a 20. And then you, you get home yeah. and you hit that button, you're at a hundred. You get back to the office, maybe you're at an 80. Yeah. Which is still better than a 20. It's a lot better. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So definitely changing my answer to profound happiness. Well, I'm glad I was able to give you that answer. I'm not sure still. I don't know if it would be happiness or cleaning because the cleaning would make me happy because I'm a stickler about that stuff. Yeah. Well, if not having to clean would make you profoundly happy and you clean every single day, then more power to you. Yeah. Well, see, I'd, it wouldn't be that I would clean every single day. I guess that's the difference too, though, right? Because really it would be like, like I clean once a week or, you know, every couple of days is probably okay. I mean, if it was this level of clean that I'm thinking about when I hit that button, I would really wouldn't need that every day. It's like steam clean. Yeah, I know. I wouldn't need that every day, right? Well, what if you said clean so, also is like laundry? It's sheets. Like you got fresh sheets every time you did it. That'd be, oh, that by itself that would be, almost might be worth it. Yeah, that'd be the best.
they don't really need much help sleeping in the bed, staying in the bed for longer though. You're like, oh, because there's really, is there any person that wouldn't acknowledge that getting into a freshly made bed with clean sheets is not one of life's great moments? That's like the best. Yeah, that would make me at least make me happy every day before I went to bed. Everybody loves that. Yeah. Everybody loves that. It's the best. Well, that turned out to be a more interesting hypothetical than I had anticipated. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. For once. I appreciate it. I had a good answer. So I think today's conversation on renovating your home was of some value and pretty interesting. I hope you enjoyed it as well. But I think it's time that Andrew and I call it a wrap. Thank you for being with us today for episode 57, Renovating Your House. If you liked today's episode, please take the next 15 seconds and head over to your favorite podcast listening app and hit that subscribe button so you can get hot off the line, new episodes automatically downloaded every two weeks. And while you're there, please consider leaving us a comment and I would greatly appreciate it if you could also leave us a five-star, that's not how I drew it rating. Be sure to visit the original lifeofanarchitect.com for show notes, links, info, and photos from this glorious episode. Be sure to stick around until the very end, because if there's any bloopers, that's where you'll find them. Thanks so much for tuning in. Take it easy, everybody. Cheers. I can't, I'm physically unable to say that word. Warrior, say warrior. Warrioring. 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 Can you say it? Weekend warrioring. No, I don't You're know. Doing it. You're I doing know. it yourself. Warrowing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Shut up. You're so nice. <laughs> nice. So, Bobby. Bobby's watching it rain. Bobby. Bobby's watching it rain. Man, it ain't just raining. Yeah. I mean, there's it's like Dorothy's house is blowing oh, away. Oh, seriously? Out there. It's that bad, huh? Can you see that temperature drop? Oh wow, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, well that temperature drop 101 at 6 p.m., 68 degrees at seven o'clock in one hour. Wow. One hour, it's 32 degree drop. I don't even know where we were. I'm not sure that it matters. It's all kind of rambly a little bit. Well, it's a rabbit hole we don't want to go. <laughs> so it's fine. We'll cut it anyway. It doesn't matter. Well, I was going to say that, you know, he just, he just went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. yes. <laughs> <laughs>